الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد. So this uh, final session uh, is to sort of wrap up this theme, at least for today. You know, as Sheikh Hussein mentioned in the beginning, there's so many, um, you could say, aspects of wellness, at least aspects of wellness from a Western perspective uh, that we could probably spend a week just discussing the various topics. In fact, when, when he and I were uh, trying to figure out like which exact things to do, I mean, the list was so much longer. So eventually we had to narrow it down to those things that maybe were, would be immediately relevant to the majority of people. But the one topic you'll see very often coming up uh, in any, if you ever attend like a wellness seminar or you attend a wellness retreat or you read a wellness book or you ever involve yourself in some sort of psychotherapy or you visit someone that specializes in these sorts of things, you will, at least now, in the last 10, 15, maybe 20, 15 years, 10, 15 years, you'll see gratitude, almost guaranteed, and gratefulness. Because it's now recognized to be such a powerful tool for a person to achieve wellness in this life that it almost, you could say, um, it, uh, it, it, it dwarfs everything else. And when you see what Islam and what our deen and what the Prophet and what Allah SWT had to say about it, it, it will actually make sense. Like why this is such a powerful tool that people have now latched onto for the well-being of society as a whole. And um, so let's begin. So the session is on gratitude and positive thinking. We're going to focus more on the gratitude. The positive thinking aspect will, will sort of fit in. Gratitude and positive thinking. Premise. Gratitude is a central premise of our deen and is vital to the well-being of the believer, both in this world and in the hereafter. Modern research affirms the importance of gratitude, showing that consistent expression of gratitude develops a positive state of mind, which in turn leads to wellness in life. Okay, so the premise is that, number one, it's a central premise in deen. It's always been that way. In fact, this theme of gratitude, we're going to go over a, a verse a little bit later, this goes back to our prior prophets. This is not something, this is not something that's just from the time of the Prophet in terms of sunnah, right? This, is, this goes back even further. It's a central premise in deen. It is vital to the well-being of the believer both in this life and the hereafter. And now we are seeing over the last 20 years, 18 to 20 years, that there's a lot of research studies that are showing the positive effects of gratitude, and in particular how it results in a positive outlook in life, and even positive thinking and positive thoughts. And this wasn't something that was recognized and appreciated before. The basis of gratitude. Each of us has been provided with an unlimited number of blessings, experiences, and joys for which we can be grateful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, وَإِن نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا And if you, if you should count the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you cannot enumerate them. Okay, so what is the basis of gratitude? Right, the gratitude has, uh, there's two aspects of gratitude, right, or gratefulness. One is, there's an, uh, there's, um, experience and then there's expression right there's and, and there's there's two actually theories behind like gratitude or at least in, in western thought one is that there's an experience of gratitude or feeling grateful something good happens to you so you feel grateful about it and then you express that gratitude in some way shape or form the second theory is that it's more of an affirmation recognition you have to affirm some sensation so, some aspect of gratefulness like something happened that makes me feel grateful or some occurrence or some circumstance uh and then you recognize you know whoever is responsible for that so in our case each of us meeting each of us believers we've been provided with an unlimited number of blessings unlimited number of blessings so, so what what creates gratefulness within a person like why would i feel grateful like, what makes us feel grateful? Not us, meaning us in this gathering. What makes a human being feel grateful? It's when two things happen. Number one, when you are given something that's valuable and whatever you're given is unexpected. That's what generates the feeling of gratefulness within a person. When you are given something of value and when that something is unexpected. Now look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ If you were to count the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you could not enumerate them. You could not enumerate them. Every favor of Allah ta'ala upon us is number one valuable by its nature because it's coming from Allah. 
It's coming from Allah. It, by its nature, it's going to be valuable. Right? And on top of that, it's undeserved and unexpected. Like, what is it about you and I that warrants the special favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Like, what was it? What is it that you and I have done that warrants it? Like, you could take the example of being born. Like, what is it about, what is it that you and I have done to come into existence in this world? Think about it. Like, did you make dua for, for you to come into the world? No, because did I make dua for me to come into the world? No. In fact, we weren't around to be able to make that sort of a dua. Right? Did we ask Allah? Did we ask? Did we hope for it? Absolutely nothing. Our creation was dependent upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favor. That's it. So even if we were to just stop right there and we spent the rest of our lifetime trying to be grateful for just being created by Allah, it wouldn't be sufficient. So in Allah, that's one favor of Allah. How are you to count the rest of the favors of Allah? Right? Think about so I mean there's so many ways to look at this, right? And I I'm, I only have 38 minutes and one second because it's flashing red in the back. <laughs> I think we gotta change the color <laughs> of that timer. Um, just think for instance, like if I was to tell you that look, it's your responsibility to remind your heart to beat every time. It, it, Makes, I mean, it sounds like it's a reasonable request, right? I mean, if I want to be alive, I have to, I'm in charge of making my heart beat every, sec, every single time, every second. How is that possible? Your, our, my heart, our heart is just beating, 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 beating. And I, I, most of us probably haven't thought today even once to remind our heart to continue beating. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ni'mah that he allows our heart to beat on its own without any reminder without any push of a button, none of this, right? And that's just one blessing, right? I mean, there's so many other, within the human body, you know, we're sitting here right now, and these beams that are holding the ceiling up are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously for permission to stay up and not collapse down upon us. How many of us have reminded the beams, hey, make sure you ask Allah to stay up and not come down upon us since we've been here? No, it's not possible. It's not, it's not, it's, you can't fathom being able to, to thank Allah Ta'ala for all of these things. We're talking about ourselves right now, right? What about our children? What if it was my responsibility to make sure that my child's heart continues to beat? That's my, it's on me. I have to make sure that every second there's at least one beat to maintain perfusion to the brain and other vital organs. No, but if I have three kids, now I have to somehow juggle that responsibility between three of my children. And then I have parents, two of my parents. Oh, then I have a spouse. And then I have... The, the, the other loved ones that I interact with, right? If we were to count the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us, we would not be able to do so. We wouldn't be able to do so. There's, a, uh, there's this one, if you go to uh, any of these wellness seminars, they'll often have, um, they'll, they'll show this video, they'll talk about this video called the gratefulness video. I don't know if you've heard about it before. It's by this person named Brother David. He's like a Benedictine monk. He has this organization called Gratefulness, like gratefulness.org or .com. And their whole mission is to just get people to be grateful. It's a bit non-denominational, I guess, but uh, brother. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bit not, but, but there, And so they have this video. And, and one of the things that, you know, it's very powerful. And it's that when you feel like you don't have anything to be grateful for, think about this present moment you're in. Like, just this present moment right now it's a gift given to me from, from somewhere. In our case, we believe it's from Allah. Uh, unexpectedly, and it's invaluable. Like, what right do I have to have this next moment? Just right now. Not like we're together, there's angels. Here. I'm not even talking about that. Just being able to have this current moment. How, I mean, if we had to f come up with a way to create time for ourselves. We couldn't do it. There are people who've passed away. They don't have this current moment. There are people who are years away from coming into this world. They don't have this present moment. If we are just grateful, that, Ya Allah, thank you for just now. That's powerful. Right? Thank you for just this moment. I don't, let's just put everything else aside, whatever happened before, whatever is to come, just this present moment. Subhanallah, it makes you think. Like no one, no, no one could, no one could give us that. I don't mean time. I mean this moment. No one else can give us that except Allah Taala. 
right? And no one else can give us that. If Allah Ta'ala wants to right now, He could stop everything. He could stop, uh, he could stop my moment. He could stop your moment. He could stop all of us from existing in just the snap of, 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 his, uh, of a finger. Literally, we could, all of existence could just cease to exist. And actually, all of existence could just become a memory, not even a memory, just completely forgotten. And Allah Ta'ala, if He wants to, could create a completely different universe with completely different people, and all of that would just, like that. Not even, not even, not even requiring the effort for snapping the fingers. So, you know, if you were to count the blessings of Allah Taala, you wouldn't be able to enumerate them. It's just not possible. You know, there's a very, there's a famous book. It's called, um, it's like one of these bestsellers on gratefulness. It's called Thanks a Thousand, right? And it's this person he uh, from the East Coast, and he. Uh, wants to be very grateful, so but he doesn't believe in God, and he and he says openly, I don't believe in God, but you know, I, so I have to be grateful, but because I, I know it's important. So uh, what he does is he goes around and he uh, wants to feel grateful for the cup of coffee that he has. So he writes. So so initially he would sit at the dinner table and he was like being grateful for dinner and for this and that, for, for whatever's on the meal. Every single night he would give thanks. And then his children basically told him that, you know, uh, if you really want to be thankful, you should go tell those people that you're thankful. So he's like, that's a very interesting thought. So he uh, then thinks, well, every morning I have a cup of coffee. And there are so many um, people that have come together for me to get one cup of coffee. I need to express gratitude toward them. Right, that's why he calls it thanks a thousand. So he goes to the barista and he thanks the barista because every morning that cup of coffee is, you know, is, is a result of her effort. He, he thanks the person who brews the, the coffee. He thanks the person that roasts the beans. He'll thank the person that transported the uh, truck of beans to the, to, the, to, the, um, uh, to the coffee shop. The person who paves the road for that truck to go. The person who paints the lines on that road. Like he, he'll, he goes crazy over trying to identify all all of the ways that, and traces it all back to, you know, like the person who initially planted the plants, which, whichever country it was in. And he either thanked them in person or he wrote letters. And over a thousand people he reached out to because he wanted to be grateful for one cup of coffee. But he says, uh, and he thinks all of these levels, but just doesn't reach the point of, well, what about like, who's, who's in charge of all those people? Right, but but that's a, I mean that's a different story. But the idea is, if a human being can find a thousand people, a thousand re different reasons, i.e., a thousand different people to thank for one cup of a morning coffee, what about us when we have Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to thank for everything? And then now in this context, does it make sense? If for one nirma that I have, I have a thousand reasons or ways or people to thank for it, what about all of these nirmas combined together? How many? times would I, how much time would I have to spend if I had to spend thanking Allah? Like if I had to thank Allah for those thousand people that brought my cup of coffee, like I thank the person, thank you Allah for, for providing this person to paint the road. Thank you Allah for providing this person to pour the water on the plant so it grows. Like, so that's also thanking Allah. I mean, you can't count, we can't count it. I mean, this person counted it. He called it thanks a thousand, right? I mean, it took a thousand people to reach out to. And what's interesting is there's this concept in, in gratitude, um, in the philosophy of gratitude, and that is uh, what's called existential gratitude. Existential gratitude is being grateful for existence. Now, we think about it as, thank you, Allah, for allowing me to exist. But I'm talking about it from an atheistic perspective, not a theistic perspective. This is what people who don't believe in Allah recognize the value of having existential gratitude. So they express or they affirm gratitude for their existence and they value it and they teach it saying you have to be grateful for your existence because this is a part of being human and a part of being well. Now we're not going to tell you to express this toward God or some other deity or being, but this has to be a part of your gratitude training. SubhanAllah. Hence, there is never a lack of things to be grateful for. We should thus focus on this overriding theme rather than focusing on the relatively minor differences between us. Look, what, what is it about us? We tend to focus on the changes. What does he have? What does she have? What, you know, what kind of car do they drive? What kind of experiences? Where, where, what places have they been to? I mean, if we continue to look at other people, yes, going back to the hadith from the prior session, yeah, we're always going to find something that is different between myself and the person in front. But if we then 
focus on the ni'mas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon us, we wouldn't be able to look anywhere else. Like, you just can't do it. I can't get to the difference between my car and your car or my house and your house if I'm still caught up in thanking Allah for allowing me to be here for this present moment. Like, if I, if, if, if I, if I ever have the thought that why does that person have this and I don't have it, then immediately I should think, hold on, like, let me first take a moment, let me thank Allah for this present moment, and then the next moment, and then the next moment. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the time or the energy to be able to, to, to just distinguish between two people. Gratitude leads to increase. By being grateful, we only receive a further increase in favors from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, and remember when your Lord proclaimed, if you are grateful, I will surely increase you. Okay, so this is a uh, verse of the Quran. Where, what, the, what circumstance is this occurring in? Uh, Musa alayhi salam, when he had taken his people and they had escaped from Fir'aun and the sea had parted and now Fir'aun had drowned and they had just gotten across the sea. And now they've settled into this desert area, right? There's no water, there's no food, there's no nothing, right? And now all these people are with him. And there's babies, there's elderly people, they don't have a place to sit, they don't have a place to feed. And Musa alayhi salam, says to them in a khutbah, in a khutbah meaning in, in an address, not a proper khutbah, وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكُمْ لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ And remember when your Lord proclaimed, if you are grateful, I will surely increase you. In a time of adversity, Musa salam is not telling his people, be patient. He's saying, be grateful. Be grateful. It's easy for us to be grateful when we see apparently all of these ni'am. But when we learn from this ayah is that even in times of adversity or especially in times of difficulty, it's very, what we're taught is sabr, 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 right? In this circumstance, Musa is not telling their people to be patient, right? Because that would be the natural thing. Look, we're undergoing difficulty. Be patient, be patient, we'll get through it. But oftentimes when a person is suffering and then you come and tell them, hey, listen, um, just be patient. It'll, get, it'll pass you. It's a little hard to internalize. I mean, if you've been in that circumstance, it's tough. It's like patience. I mean, I'll be patient, but this hurts. There's suffering involved. But Musa is telling telling them, uh, be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that will change your perspective and your outlook. And it's easier for a recipient to be able to swallow that. Someone who's actively suffering or is in pain and you tell them, be grateful to Allah, it's, it's easier to do than telling them, don't do anything. Right? Don't do anything. Now, what's amazing about this is that look at what Allah Ta'ala is saying. That if you are grateful, then surely, surely, absolutely, with emphasis, absolutely, 100%, without a doubt. And this is coming from Allah, so not that that's even needed. You will be increased. I will increase you. Now, what's amazing is like this doing shukr to Allah. It's not like an act of worship, right? I mean, it's almost like a natural thing. If someone were to bring me a cup of water right now because I'm thirsty. I have, I'm okay. Nobody stepped up. <laughs> but if somebody were to bring a bottle, a bottle of water because I'm thirsty, my natural inclination is to say thank you. Like, it's like, it's expected. You know, it's not like it's, I have to go out of my way. You know, it's, just, it's, just, it's a natural feeling. And in this circumstance, Allah Ta'ala is promising to increase us not because we're spending the night in tahajjud and not because we are, you know, engaged in some other extensive worship or praise of Him. Simply by thanking Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala promises to increase us. That's point number one. Number two, look at the, the, look at the wording. Allah Ta'ala will increase all of you if you, it will increase you if you praise Him. What, increase in what? Increase in what? Like, like in what, what? What does he mean by increase? The ulama of tafsir say that in this circumstance, Allah Ta'ala left it open-ended. Meaning that he will increase you in every which way possible, in every way that you need. In any way that you need. And this is why, let's go ahead and read the next section. The scholars of tafsir mentioned that this increase is open-ended and encompasses all things that are beneficial to us. It's not restricted. It's not, it could have been like Allah Ta'ala said, I will increase you in reward. I will increase you in your level and station in Jannah. I will increase you in your satisfaction in this life. If you are grateful to me, I will increase you, period. You will be increased. 
You know, and this is why in, in, in gratitude research, which started around like 2000s or so, in that, in that 20 year span, just in 20 years, multiple studies have shown that it improves physical health, blood pressure, the risk of developing a substance use disorder, improves stress, depression, anxiety, self-esteem, uh, pro-social behaviors like helpfulness and cooperation. And these are not like one study of gratitude. Each study individually is showing the effects of gratitude. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases in all of these different ways. And in fact, in just 20 years, like the first study, like in 2000, what there was like, and the, 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 the father of gratitude research, his name is uh, Bob Emmons. He, uh, Bob uh, Emmons, he's in, um, he's, in, he's in Nevada, University of Nevada. He's done most of the work. He's considered like the father of gratitude research. At that time, in 2000, there were on average about 20, for those of you that are kind of in the scientific or, or, or uh, field, um, less than 20 articles per year published on the effects of gratitude and gratefulness. And in the last like four, three, four years, every year, over 160 articles are published every year on the benefits of gratefulness and gratitude. Scientific articles that prove scientifically the health, psychological, social, uh, uh, physiological benefits of expressing gratefulness and gratitude. There is no end to how much benefit comes from gratefulness. We will only see with time what if, if, we, if we choose to wait for more science, we'll have to wait until more studies come. But we will see with time. But even in our own life, if we begin to be grateful, just you will see the wonders, but we will see the wonders before our very eyes. Expressing gratitude. Gratitude can be expressed in many ways. Ibn al-Qayyim explained the manners of showing gratitude when he wrote. So Ibn al-Qayyim, he is a you know, prolific scholar from the 14th century from Damascus. And he has, he's one of the leading scholars of like Islamic spirituality. Like if you, if you really want to read on, his work is so prolific and he understood human psychology so well that back seven, 800 years ago, he, he talks about treating mental health disorders like anxiety and depression that are poorly controlled at a time when nobody would consider this. He talks about treating it with medicine. And that's unheard of. That's unheard of for someone to talk, talk about that. His understanding of, of, human, of human beings, their relationship with Allah and with creation and with themselves was so dominant. If you want to, if you, if you have an interest in this, really read his works. So he says about gratitude. Showing gratitude is either with the heart by being submissive and tranquil or content, with the tongue by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and acknowledging his favors, and with the limbs by performing acts of worship and showing obedience. Look, these are the different ways that a person expresses gratitude in general. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in particular, but I guess in general. Right, number one is by being submissive and tranquil or content. That whatever comes our way, alhamdulillah, you know, shukr Allah, thank you, ya Rab. You know, whatever you, I'm your servant ultimately, whatever you bring my way, I am content with it. That's contentment in the heart. And that's gratitude from the heart. And with the tongue by praising Allah Ta'ala and acknowledging His favors, right? We do this every day after Salah. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. After we eat, when we wake up in the morning. These are all forms of expressing gratefulness to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And then the ultimate form of expressing gratitude is through the limbs. Right, where you actually praise and raise Allah Ta'ala's great name as a form of your expression of gratitude. Right? And this is why when the Prophet would pray through the long hours of the night, and his feet would swell. And Aisha radiallahu anha would ask, O Prophet of Allah, why are you standing in worship for so long when you're already forgiven for your past, for your future sins? I mean, for your future possible sin. You're already forgiven. Why, were you, why are you standing? And so the Prophet so beautifully replied, right? Afala akuna abdan shakura. Is it not? Can I, can I not be a grateful servant to Allah? This is the Prophet using his limbs to the point where his feet are cracking. Right? Meaning he's exerting himself so physically. Why? Not because he has to. Not because it's required of him. Not because he's repenting. Not because he made a mistake. Why? Because he wants to express gratitude to his Lord. You know, when was the last time that we prayed Salah, not out of shame or guilt because of something we did wrong to Allah, or out of need like haja or istikhara where we wanted something from Allah, but simply, I just want to pray to you, Ya Allah, because I'm so grateful for creating me and giving me iman and giving me all the things you've given. I just want to pray. I, I just want to stand up and pray to you, right? I just, 
This is, this is my expression. When was the last time we did that? Right, so we should think uh, about the ways by which we express gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Additionally, we should also recognize that part of gratitude is to exhibit gratitude toward others. We each contribute to one another's success. Hence, we should recognize others' efforts and sacrifices and express our appreciation to them. Look, we don't live in a vacuum, right? We live in a society. We have, there's interpersonal relationships. There are responsibilities that we have toward people that you and I will all be asked about on the Day of Judgment. And so one of those responsibilities that we have is that when someone helps us in some way, shape, or form, that we thank them for it. So the Prophet ﷺ says, The Prophet ﷺ said, If a favor is shown to anyone, and he says to the kindly person, Jazakallah khairan, then he has showered perfect praise for him. Look, this is um, our way of thanking someone, right? Jazakallah khairan, or some form of that. But what's, what's interesting is that, you know, um, if you think about what you're actually saying, if we say it with meaning and in true intention, it's powerful. Like what I'm basically saying is thank you for what you've done. I have no way of actually repaying you. The only the but, but Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala can repay you in 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 a way that's far better than what I could do. That's what's meant by jazakallahu khairan. Not Jazakallah, Jazakallah, Jazakallah. Just the lip service that we offer. It's a dua that we're making. And when we make dua for people sincerely, there's nothing we can return in favor of, there's no way we could express gratitude better than this. Prophet said, this is perfect praise of that person. Being grateful to others is the means by which we exhibit our gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet said, he who does not thank people does not thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to thank all of the means by which he provided us, whichever ni'mah it is. That's why the Prophet said, مَن لَمْ يَشْكُرِ النَّاسِ لَمْ يَشْكُرِ اللَّهِ If you don't thank people, or meaning the means or the avenues by which things are brought to you, then you're not thanking Allah. You know, you can think about it like this. Like, if you're at home and you, um, uh, you, ha you have your guest that's over, and the guest wants water, you fill up a glass of water, and instead of you going and giving it to the guest, you tell your son, hey, uh, go give this uh, glass of water to the guest, right? And if the guest doesn't say thanks to the child, how do you feel? How do I feel? Like if, the, if, the, if, if my son is, you know, giving water, you'd be like, didn't say thanks, right? This is, like this, the, by expressing thanks to my child, we, we take it as an expression of gratitude toward ourselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is very appreciative, or he wants us to be very appreciative of even the means. So he says that if we don't thank the means that he has provided, it's as if we haven't even thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This expression of gratitude is the principal driver of positive social relationships. Such relationships are pivotal to our health and well-being and tie together the fabric of society. I told, we talked about this, I think, earlier today, that positive social relationships is independently a predictor of longevity. You will live, I will live 50% longer by having better social relationships. I mean, Allah Ta'ala has this written, obviously, but just society as a whole, whoever has better social relationships, multiple studies, meta-analyses have shown that a 50% lengthier life, right? I mean, that's the power of having positive social relationships. It's pivotal to our health, our well-being, and it ties together the fabric of society. In fact, there was a study that Harvard did. It's like the longest longitudinal study that followed one cohort, one group of people over time. And they followed... Uh, like from Boston, they followed two groups of people, like impoverished young children in Boston from like the 1940s, and they followed like Harvard, Harvard college students. And they followed them for, now the study's been ongoing for about 75 years. And what they wanted to know was that what, what are the predictors of, of like happiness and life satisfaction, right? Is it wealth? Is it fame? Because of that group of, of these uh, Harvard college students, most of them went on to very successful careers. One went on to become a president. And so they looked at these groups and they tried to understand what was the soul, what was the main predictor of life satisfaction and happiness and the conclusion from this study and it's still ongoing actually is positive social relationships and social interaction that is what determines a person's happiness studies have shown that gratitude spurs acts of helpfulness generosity and cooperation additionally 
While expressing gratitude may feel uncomfortable or awkward at times, it has been shown to provide far greater personal and social benefit than, than one can, may hypothesize. So studies have shown that gratitude spurs acts of helpfulness, generosity, and cooperation. You know, when, so how, how, do we mean, how do they study this, right? So when the researchers are studying the effects of gratitude, what they'll do is they'll take a group of people and they'll assign them a, what's called a gratitude intervention. And that means basically that you have to write down three things in the morning when you wake up every day, three things you're grateful for before you go to bed at night, three things you're grateful for. And you got to do that every day consistently for three months and that you're in that group. The other group, live life as is. And after three months, we're going to test a few aspects. We'll do MRI scans of your brain. We will assess your functional being. We'll assess your pro-social thoughts and pro-social behaviors, and we'll come to some sort of a conclusion. And so these studies, which are, which are pretty well designed, show that it increased helpfulness, generosity, cooperation. There was a study that was in three or four years ago that shows the areas of the brain, that uh, the medial frontal cortex, and the parts that are involved in empathy and, and understanding others' emotions, those areas are more neurally sensitive in a positive way in, pe in people that undergo these gratitude interventions versus people that don't. So there are chemical changes in the brain that are visible on functional MRI scans that are, are the effect of expressing gratitude. And uh, this, uh, while expressing gratitude may be uncomfortable or awkward at times, it has been shown to provide far greater personal benefit. This was a very interesting study. You know, people, when someone does something nice to you, sometimes you're a bit hesitant to say thank you to them because you think it's awkward. Like, if I wanted to, for instance, thank my fifth grade teacher that I haven't talked to in, like, decades, like, they might think, like, you know, what's going on? This is kind of weird, right? So they did this very interesting study. I think it was actually done at University of Chicago. And they had uh, students write gratitude letters to someone to a person, and they had to rate how awkward it felt to write it, how awkward uh, the person who was receiving it might feel, um, and what their rating was and how great, how happy the person who received that letter would feel. And what they found was that, number one, um, in general, they the person who was writing the letter underestimated how positive the recipient would feel, consistently underestimated how positive the recipient of gratitude feels. But Right? Like, I mean, we know we have to thank people. You know, you had to say Jazakallah khairan. But the study was showing that, you know, we underestimate how positive people will feel. We underestimate, we overestimate the awkwardness that we think is present in that interaction. Right? Which means that nothing should hold us back from expressing gratefulness toward people. That's that's the point, right? You know, and if you try it out, even in your own life, like sometimes if, if you work, if you if you're in a workplace and you go up to like a custodian or someone who's like who you see all the time and you kind of don't really pay much attention, if you go to them and just say, "Hey, uh, I'm so and so. I know that you've been working here. I, I just wanted to say that you know what you're doing. Uh, I really do appreciate it, and it really means a lot to us. And you're contributing so much to us. The effect that it has on that person, it's not like oh, thank you, it was very kind of you to stop by. When they study this, the, the emotions of happiness that then persist for days and in some cases weeks, you can brighten up a person's day. SubhanAllah. It may feel awkward, but the benefits outweigh a, a, any sort of awkwardness. Gratitude, mental and physical and health benefits. The human mind has a tendency toward negativity, an influence that is driven by shaitan. This is known as a negativity bias. We attend to, learn from, and use negative information far more than positive information. Okay, so this is, um, this is a, the cognitive trick that the brain plays. It, so if you undergo, let's say, 10 uh, good experiences and you have one bad experience, that one bad experience tends to stick more and bother you, and, or it, it tends to stay with you more than those 10 positive experiences. You know, for instance, you, know, you, give, uh, you, you, you give a presentation at work, right? And 10 people come up to you and afterward and they say, hey, that was awesome, that was excellent, you did a great job. And one person comes up to you and says, you know, that was, that was, that was terrible. Like, I didn't understand a word you said. It will wipe away the, the, the compliments that you received from 10. The criticism, that one criticism will wipe away 10 compliments. Um, this is... Uh, the media takes advantage of this as well. They know that negative things stick more. And there's a reason that news is filled with negativity because that's the only reason we're ever going to watch the news. If it was filled with positive news about the world, and the reality is there's more positivity in general in the world than there is negativ negativity simply because we're alive and, uh, and, uh, and, and can talk and speak and be human. 
But that's not, that doesn't trigger emotion. That doesn't, that doesn't generate anything. In fact, when advertisers are determining, are we going to release a particular advertisement, they actually take subjects, human beings, they put them in front of these screens, they check their heart rate, their pulse, their sweat responses, and if it doesn't generate a strong enough emotional response, it's a failed advertisement. It's not going to work. Same with all these news stories. So they understand this. The media understands this. They will perpetuate because they realize this is going to stick, and if it sticks, you're going to keep coming back. So this is a principle that it's, it's there. Now, I'm, I'm mentioning this not to say that this, this uh, let's continue the next sentence. Per, a persistently negative outlook harms our physical and mental health and tarnishes our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So look, it's not, just because we have this negative bias, it's not, it's still not acceptable, right? It's not acceptable, meaning it's, that, if, if that's a problem that we deal with or if that's an experience we've had, we still have to look at things in the grand scheme of things. It's still up to us to alter our thoughts, and there are ways to do so, so that we begin to think more positively. It's not acceptable for us to just get caught in the negative all the time. We can't just say, oh, this is just the way my brain thinks, so I'm just going to stay negative my whole life. This tarnishes even our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Conversely, gratitude breeds positivity. So, so far we've talked about, we talked about the negativity bias, right? And how our minds think a certain way. But gratitude or expressing gratitude or being grateful is one way by which we can challenge this negativity bias. Several studies over the last 20 years have shown that it promotes happiness and well-being, reduces stress, and boosts self-esteem. It also reduces the lifetime risk for depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, abuse disorders. Look, there are people who, we talk about the negativity bias, there are people who um, experience like one severe psychological or physical or, mental, or emotional trauma as a child, and that sticks with them for years and years and years. Gratitude, uh, the, the, uh, a gratitude intervention has shown to even benefit patients that have you know, severe trauma from, from before. It's not sufficient to say that we're just going to be negative all the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided a means for us. One means is expressing gratefulness in general and in particular to him. But look, continue. Being grateful also carries a number of physical health benefits. These include positive effects on blood pressure and improvement in immune function and sleep quality. So look at the multiple benefits that we're seeing. لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Right? There's, there's no qualifier to that statement that I will increase you, I will make things better for you. There's no qualifier. This is universal. This is Allah's mercy. And it's His mercy to be able to bestow upon us such benefits from gratitude, and it's just because we're grateful to Him. I mean, it just, it's mind-baffling. Like, what? This isn't some you know, intense act of worship. This isn't some life sacrifice where you're giving up all your wealth for some cause. This is just thank you. That's all it is. And Allah is giving us as humanity and as human beings so much from just saying thank you to him. Making dua for gratitude. Gratitude is so important that the Prophet ﷺ taught us to ask for this after every prayer, which is a time when duas are often answered. The Prophet ﷺ advised Mu'ad radiallahu an, do not fail to say this after every prayer. Allahumma a'inna ala shukrika wa dhikrika wa husni ibadatik. Oh Allah, help me to remember you, to thank you, and to worship you properly. Look, um, we talked about some people are just more inclined toward being, there are people who are naturally more grateful. It's just the way their brains are wired. Um, or maybe the experiences they've had in the past, some people struggle with it. But ultimately, we see from this that uh, the ability to be grateful, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why we're asking Allah, oh Allah, make me someone who's thankful to you. Right? Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Oh Allah, make me that person who's actually continuously grateful for you. Avoid complaining. It is natural to undergo difficult situations throughout life during which expressing gratitude and positive thinking can be difficult. These periods, tend, these periods tend to pass, allowing a person to return to their positive baseline. During such periods, however, it is very important that we avoid complaining. Instead, even if our hearts are pained, we should be sure to keep our tongues praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our, we, we are here in this world as a test. Right? This whole world is a test and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the right to and he will test us as he pleases. That's just life. That is exactly what we call life. And as a part of life, there are periods of time or certain tests that are going to trigger certain emotions within us. And it's important that during these periods of time that we be very careful about complaining. 
You know, complaining is one of those things that sucks barakah out of a situation. It removes barakah from our lives. And but what's 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 but we have to acknowledge is that uh, even if our hearts are hurting, we shouldn't complain. Meaning, it's okay to hurt. Like that's the emotion, the emotional feeling that's associated with hurt and suffering. It's okay to have that. Like you can't, you can't fight that. Emotions are real. That's okay. We're not saying you have to change that feeling of sadness, for instance, when you lose a loved one, and all of a sudden you have to become positive. That's not practical. It's against human nature. In fact, it sometimes has the opposite effect. We'll talk about that. But we have to be mindful about not complaining about to, you know, with our tongues, about, in particular with our tongues, but even with our minds. Like If the thoughts come, let's accept that, look, it's, it is difficult, right? But you know what? Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're the one who makes decisions, ya Allah. You know, uh, if, this is what you've, if this is what you've ordained, I will deal with my sadness. Alhamdulillah, you still kept me under your shade. Right? That should be our attitude. We should be sure to keep our tongues praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like that should never stop. Is there ever a time where I should stop saying alhamdulillah? Like how? It doesn't matter what catastrophe I experience or trauma I experience in my life. I, we, just, we just covered all. There's, there's so many ni'mas of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there's no time where I should stop praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with my tongue. It's not justifiable. We can't do it. We shouldn't do it. If our hearts are hurting, that's okay. But our minds and our tongues should be uh, in, in the constant praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh, reported, The Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Whoever is afflicted by a pressing need and complains to people, his need will never be satisfied. Whoever is afflicted by a pressing need and complains to Allah, eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for him sooner or later. Number one, we don't complain to people. Definitely not with our tongues, right? It sucks barakah out of the situation. Number two, if we have, if we feel the need to complain, then we complain to Allah. Not complain to Allah as in why Allah, but complain to Allah as in Ya Allah, this is really tough for me. Make it easy for me, right? When Yaqub said, "Innama ashku wa huzni Allah," that I complain of my sadness and my grief to Allah and Allah alone. I don't need to tell the rest of the world about this. This is between me and my Allah. And the third is that if anyone can fix this problem, or if any being can fix this problem, it's going to be Allah. You know, even when, and I'm not, I don't want to go down the path of, of, of mental health disorders, but even in the case of that sort of a disease, ultimately, the treatment is going to come from Allah. Whether that be in the form of, you know, the ability to do more shukr, or the ability to have some medication that helps me and supports me, or some therapy that is helpful, or the tawfiq to perform certain acts of worship that will alleviate some of that suffering. Ultimately, it's from Allah. So why do I need to complain to the world? I have my Allah to talk to. And he, he's all hearing. He's all seeing. In fact, even if I just sat on the musalla and faced the qibla and didn't even say a word, my Allah already knows everything that's going on in my heart. He knows the suffering that I'm experiencing. He knows the difficulty that I'm going through. Why, why would I need to look anywhere else? He knows it before I even open my tongue, before I even open my mind. Furthermore, the reward of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during times of difficulty is an early invitation to Jannah. The Prophet said, the first to be called to paradise on the Day of Judgment will be those who praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during times of prosperity and adversity. Look, Allah just wants us to be grateful to Him. Like, this is what He wants, right? We're, see, we're just seeing example after example after example of this. And look at this. He, not only did, He's so appreciative of the believer who's grateful to Him, Right? He's so appreciative of this that this person who thanked Allah both in times of difficulty and in times of ease will be called toward Jannah first. You get first access. You get VIP access to Jannah. You're the first to go. You're the first to board into Jannah. Why? Because I praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during times of difficulty and during times of ease. We should be content with whatever life brings to us. This is, a well this is well elucidated in a poem by Jalal ad-Din Muhammad Rumi, a renowned 13th century Persian scholar. The Guest House. So this is a, um, a poem that Mahan Rumi, rahimahullah, you know, a very famous scholar uh, of, our, uh, uh, of our tradition. Um, and he presents this poem. There's so much wisdom in this poem. But the Guest House is us. So we're going to read it and try to make sense of a few points of it. The guest house. This being human is a guest house. Okay? This being human, the human experience, this being human is a guest house. 
every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and ent entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty, its, empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. SubhanAllah. Just show the whole poem. Amazing. Right? Uh, and actually, where I had come across this poem, I was at this um, retreat that they had held uh, rela related to my work. It was like this retreat on like just mindful practice and things like that, like medical practice. And this is a group of uh, uh, the people that had collected a group of maybe 40, 50 physicians of all backgrounds of different calibers, ER physicians, transplant surgeons, gynecologists, you name it, who are very well off, very affluent, have everything from a dunyawi perspective you can think of. And now we are attending a seminar on how to, uh, how to be well, all right? I mean, look at the irony. It just goes to highlight all of the points that we've been mentioning over the course of the day. Money doesn't buy happiness, or acquiring wealth doesn't buy happiness. There's more to it than that. So this is the place in which they had presented this poem. This being human is a guest house every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor, right? Like these thoughts that just come into our mind. It's like, where did this come from? Oh, another, again? You know, again? Like, that's our attitude, right? We, when, when some negative thought comes into our mind, our immediate response is, oh, why am I thinking this again? What do we do? We try to fight it. We say, get out of here. Leave, right? But what is that? That's called thought suppression. And in, in psychology, that amp, it's called, uh, it results in what's called amplification. The thought comes back even stronger the next day, which is why it never makes sense to tell a thought, stop it. Leave me alone. It doesn't work. So he says, um, welcome and entertain them all. Like, we're just a guest house. We're, not, we're, we're, we're just creation of Allah. I mean, whatever comes our way is from Allah. Just welcome it all. It's okay. It's okay. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. Recognize that this is something that's come from, to me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's okay. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. Maybe there's something greater that Allah Ta'ala wants to give you as a result. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Don't just shut the door and say, what are you doing here? Leave me alone. Stop it. I'm tired of this. I can't handle this anymore. No. Welcome. I'm just, I'm an open, uh, open door policy. You know, you can leave when you want to leave. You can stay if you want to stay. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. What's interesting is when they presented this poem, this last section was left off. In fact, they read the whole thing, be grateful for whatever comes, and the presenter didn't say, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I was like, subhanAllah, you left the most important part off the poem. You purposely didn't want to bring this up, but that's the reality. Anything that we go through in life, whether we perceive it outwardly to be positive or negative, or whether that trial or tribulation or any goodness that comes, it's from Allah. Be grateful for whatever Allah Ta'ala presents. It's been sent as a guide from Him, either to rectify or purify us, or to reward us, or to challenge us for our long term betterment. It's from Allah. Positivity even at, the, even at the end of time. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, If the resurrection were established upon one of you while he has, his hand, he has in his hand a sapling, then let him plant it. Right? So a sapling like a small tree that you're about to plant. Look, this is, we're, we just talked, what we're, what we're highlighting is that gra gratitude and gratefulness generates positive thoughts and emotions, etc. 
But there are some experiences and tribulations that we won't be able to deal with and we have to accept it and be patient for those and continue to express gratitude irrespective of an outcome because ultimately it's from Allah and what Allah wants for all of his believers is goodness. We covered that hadith previously. We're always in the positive. Like we can only be, we can only have an overall positive outlook even if my current thought feels a bit negative, my outlook is positive because even that thought is a result of the circumstance Allah Ta'ala has created. Right? So, we, we, we have to be positive in all of these circumstances. And now look, even in this circumstance, the Prophet is saying, at the end of time, now look, I don't care what we've gone through as an experience in our life, you know, whatever negative experience we've had, ultimately the day of judgment doesn't even compare. Like the, the, the difficulties that are potentially there on the day of judgment don't compare to anything we can go through in this world. And, and, and so if there was a time to be to panic and to worry and to give up hope, it would be then. We see the day of judgment arriving and we have this thing, seed to plant. And the Prophet says, relax. Hey, this, this, is, all, this is from, everything's from Allah. You have to continue doing exactly what you're doing. Don't let this disrupt your outlook on life. Even when the day of judgment is arriving, continue to still plant that seed. We still remain firm in our connection, in our pursuit of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't let that change our, even our day-to-day activities. Despite this, right? Despite, despite hearing all of this, right? What does Allah ta'ala say in the Quran? In a couple of places. That yet we still, that uh, you will still find that the most, most of us are, are ungrateful to Allah. Or you won't find that we're grateful to Allah. That very few are going to be grateful to Allah. Right? When we're so few in number, I mean, it's, it makes it that much more valuable to express gratefulness to Allah. When Allah is saying only a few of you are ultimately going to do it, only a few of us are ultimately going to do it, like, just let's take advantage. Let's just be that group because there's so much benefit that comes from being grateful to Allah Ta'ala and from praising Him in times of ease and in times of difficulty, we cannot begin to, to enumerate these. Gratitude in the hereafter. This is the, this is the final point. There are many praiseworthy traits and habits we seek to bring into our life. Right, while we're in this world, we talked about last night, we talked about the um, uh, praiseworthy trait of, of, being, of repentance, right? Wanting to repent to Allah. This morning we talked about um, zuhud, right? That's another praiseworthy trait. Sabr. There's many praiseworthy traits. One of these praiseworthy traits is expressing gratitude and being grateful. Of these, expressions of praise and gratefulness will continue in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, And the last of their call will be, Praise to Allah, Lord of the worlds. SubhanAllah. Everything else ceases. Like, there's no worship. You don't have to worship Allah in Jannah. You don't have to repent to Allah in Jannah. You don't have to be a zahid and abstain from, uh, from, the, from, uh, from, ple- uh, from ple- uh, pleasant experiences in Jannah. Do whatever you want to do, right? Whatever, whatever struggle or sacrifice you made in this world, all of that, is, it's no longer needed here. There's nothing else that's needed except for this. This action that's encouraged for the believers for, for, for the servants of Allah Ta'ala in this world, this is the one trait or characteristic or action that also then gets carried into the hereafter. And it's, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, And their last call will be, the last call will be, meaning of the people of Jannah, not the people who are waiting to get into Jannah, the people of Jannah. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, praise be to Allah, Lord of the world. SubhanAllah, even when we're in Jannah, that's because we're going to be so mesmerized, right? Like, I mean, this is just our constant state, right? We should just be, when, in the constant praise of Allah, you know, when we're saying constant praise of Allah, it's not just like, while I'm alive. In this case, it even extends into the akhirah. Like, what else could we say? We, we can't say that about anything else. This is like the, and this is why when, we're ta- when, when I mentioned existential gratitude before, and how even, you know, uh, uh, atheistic philosophers and psychologists recommend that you should be grateful for the existence. It just shows that this is a part of human simplicity and the human being is to be grateful. This is our natural state. This is like the state that attaches us to Jannah because really that's where our soul is from. 
right? And so this is something that we really should be mindful of, that, look, this is my true calling. It's that no matter what comes my way in this world, no matter what circumstance I experience, I will never stop thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praising Allah ta'ala and raising his great name. Because I'm not, I'm not going to stop in this world, and I'm not going to stop even when I enter into Jannah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to be grateful, true servants of his. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to maintain a positive outlook in life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us well, uh, both in this life and in the hereafter. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us in the company of people of positivity with positive thoughts and protect us from negativity and negative thoughts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, accept this gathering from us. Wa akhira da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakallah khair. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Um, this was our final session for the official uh, topic of um, wellness in the Sunnah. And um, we do have an extended program. Uh, that extended program is, is for the um, individuals who will be staying in the masjid overnight. Um, and that program will actually begin in, uh, what is the time on the schedule? Huh? What? No, let me see the schedule. So 8.15, yeah, just 10 minutes from now, 8.15. Uh, the people who will be staying over for Saturday night, if you could gather together at 8.15, we'll just have an introductory session to just uh, go over the logistics of, uh, of staying in the masjid. And um, separately, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, thank everyone who's come here. Um, as you are aware, without a um, group of people to be able to uh, present and share knowledge with, it becomes impossible to be able to have such a gathering. And everybody in this room, basically that's your contribution. You come with an open heart, you come with a desire, you come with a hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will benefit you, and it's because of that that everything small, uh, it's, because, it's for that reason that everything um, uh, flows together so smoothly. So for all the individuals that took the time out of their busy schedule, uh, made the effort to travel here, uh, put up with whatever inconveniences might be present. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you extensively for that. And uh, we're grateful for that because that allows us to be able to, uh, again, take benefit of being able to have such sessions. Uh, at the same time, I just wanted to thank all the, um, uh, other, all the people who were involved in putting together this, uh, this particular portion of the program. Uh, I'd like to start with just Hafiz Usher. Um, it's a lot of work to put together these sessions. It is a lot of work. Um, and I can tell you that uh, uh, the amount of reading and studying and thinking, this was not a days long thing, this was not weeks, this was months, even more than months. Uh, at the time that I decided that, um, or at least proposed that we should do this topic, um, uh, I thought, I knew for sure that I could not handle it myself. I was 100% confident that there's no way I could handle it, even though I had three months to prepare. And uh, at that time, I basically called Hafizab, and I just said, uh, you know, Hafizab, would you be able to assist with this? I know that you have a little bit of background and some interest in this topic. And he just said yes, without even fully understanding what I, <laughs> what I was asking him to do. Because then a month later, he called me and he said, I really don't understand what this retreat's going to be about. Can you give me some more information? Although I've been reading and preparing. So, um, you know, at that time, I basically started trying to explain what was in my head. And it's not easy to take what's in somebody else's head and then try to recapitulate that. But, you know, subhanAllah, he did an amazing job. And, and we've been talking back and forth. But I know, I know how much work he did. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, give you every nitty-gritty detail. But... Every study, every hadith, ayah, thinking, wondering, you know, improving, writing, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So, you know, jazakallah uh, khair to Hafizab, particularly to his family, because, uh, you know, even if he was ready to do the work, there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice that occurs on, 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 on the part of his family uh, to be able to sit and think and have the time and space to be able to put this, the, you know, this effort together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it on behalf of all of them. Um, separately, I wanted to thank all the readers who um, participated today. So we tend to have readers from all over. Uh, we had one reader from Toronto. 
we have one reader who likes to go all over, Hafez Azam. <laughs> He's very famous. <laughs> and uh, now we had Salman from Michigan. So Alhamdulillah, we're expanding our horizons. Maybe we'll get someone from out of the country next time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's a really honor and blessing for them to, to provide um, the reading to us. And the benefit of that is that it allows the speaker to be able to take a break. And it also gives your ears a break. You know, if you just have to hear someone talking the whole time, you totally tune out. It's hard as a human being to have that much focus. So it's nice to break it up where the reader reads and then the speaker speaks. It gives everybody a little bit of a, uh, of a break. So, uh, so I just wanted to uh, thank the readers. And then finally, um, there's obviously a lot of energy that goes into, um, into putting together the retreats. I think we probably had close to 400, 500 people. I, I mean, at least I know from registration, but I've been counting myself because I have these ways of calculating because I literally know where every single piece of wood is in the building. It's just my nature. So I've been sitting and counting. I don't know the details, obviously, of upstairs, but I do know the details in the men's section, and I can make some estimates of the women's section. So, you know, I, I'm, I think we had close to 450, 500 people that we serviced, you know, and we continue to service until tomorrow. Uh, that's a really big undertaking uh, in order to make sure that everyone's comfortable, everyone has a snack, everyone has the coffee that was provided, making sure that literally the bathrooms are running smoothly, the parking is running smoothly, the lights, even the lights, believe it or not, uh, it's, you know, it's like it has its own little um, particular, uh, you know, particularities to it. The screen, there's a big emphasis on these screens, and the sisters have their two screens, and uh, I give everybody a hard time, like, why can't it look like this? And they're like, but it can't, but then I say, but it has to, and then they have to go back and try to make it work, and I literally got emails at two in the morning from the screen people you know, saying, do you like this? And I said, no, I don't like it. And I, two in the morning means that they basically had been doing it till two in the morning. And I'm so, you know, free that I just basically say, no, I don't like it. It needs to be like this. This is a wellness seminar. If the slides aren't well, we're all dead. <laughs> so anyway, um, I mean, every, it just, it's, just, uh, it's just the nature of, of how these events run. So, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward from his account all the efforts of the brothers and sisters who put in um, their time and energy and heart and du'as and hope in order to be able to create such a positive gathering. Um, my anticipation of this gathering was it was going to be probably our toughest gathering because it, the, uh, the, the topic was relatively esoteric and we're coming off of a little bounce of opening. So I kind of had that in my mind and, and you know, alhamdulillah, we, we kind of flew through this part so far. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless us. Uh, we have an intention of being able to provide these types of gatherings uh, with some degree of frequency. Uh, we don't want to do them monthly at this point because I think it's going to take away the novelty, but we do intend to do them every other month, so maybe like four or five gatherings a year, um, along with some other gatherings that we're going to be introducing over time. So the next gathering, actually, and these gatherings will also occur in other places. So the next two gatherings are actually, um, uh, there's going to be one here, uh, April 18th. Saturday, April 18th, and uh, in a very timely manner, the topic will be fasting and Ramadan, because the next week, there will be fasting and Ramadan. So uh, that's going to be a really um, more traditional topic, you know, uh, kind of every topic everybody can relate to, because it's going to be upcoming. But it's a really nice opportunity for all of us to be able to make a commitment to developing the true depth of fasting that actually results in a permanent change in life. So we're going to talk about the legal aspects, the spiritual aspects, the historical aspects of fasting, and how we can maximize on this wonderful opportunity that, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bestow upon us in just a few months. Uh, at the same time, there will be actually another retreat, April 4th, April 4th, uh, Saturday, April 4th. It's actually in Dallas, so it's going to be in Dallas, Texas, uh, and it'll be at, a, at an individual's house, but it's actually open. There will be registration online if you happen to know somebody in that area or you happen to be in that area, and that will be actually on the topic of the soul and spirituality. It'll be just, a, it won't be an overnight retreat, but it'll be a standard Dhuhr till Maghrib uh, retreat, uh, again, on April 4th. Uh, and then after that, in Ramadan, we hope to offer Etikaf. Uh, we will have an opportunity for people to register for that Etikaf, and more details will be forthcoming. And then shortly after Ramadan, we'll then have another retreat, probably a couple months after Ramadan. There will also be the Hajj seminar, in June, at the end of June, that one will be held at Masjid al-Huda in Schaumburg. Anyway, one request that I have from everyone is that we have a responsibility to create as much benefit as possible. And I will tell you that 
there's a tremendous amount of um, groundwork that goes into establishing these programs, but it's fixed. It's a fixed cost. There's a fixed human cost involved. What, however many people show up, we have to spend X amount of hours preparing the material, X amount of hours preparing the building, X amount of hours preparing registration, and we only gain by the excess number of people that come. If there's 20 people or there's 2,000 people, the work is pretty much the same. Yeah, well, you might have to call and say, give me food for, give me coffee for 2,000 instead of 20, but the fundamental fixed cost, the infrastructure is, sa is the same. So it's our goal to leverage these opportunities to the best of our ability, which basically means that for the next gathering, the one request we have, we don't charge anything and we don't want to ever charge anything. I would love it if we, we have, a, we have a policy for at least for the first year and we're gonna to hope to continue this. In this building, we don't ask for donations from anyone. We have a no donation policy. We're not gonna ask for, we're not gonna ask for um, a, a fee for any of the retreats. We wanna serve everyone here. The only thing we ask is that you bring your love and you bring your heart and you bring your dua and give us an opportunity to share what our teachers shared with us. Okay, that's pretty much our paradigm, and we hope to continue that paradigm. There are opportunities to donate. Uh, they, they occur online. There's a silent screen on the wall as you leave, but we're not going to push that. It's up to you. SubhanAllah, we just want people to bring their hearts. That's the beauty of having this building done. I don't ever want to have to ask anyone for anything except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's our mantra. But I do have one request, and that is that if you come again, you come with a gift. And that gift is you bring another person with you. You bring another person with you. Because the people that you have access to, we don't. I have access to you now because I see you here. I have your email from the registration sign up. I can inform you of the retreat and you may come back. But the way this spreads is not by us thinking about ourselves and coming for our own benefit. It spreads by us thinking about ourselves and bringing the next person here. So if every one of you brings one more person that wasn't here, then what happens is if they benefit and they change their lives, you receive the reward for it. And so do I. And that's the way the deen spreads. That's the way the deen has historically spread. Hazrat Abu Bakr an, the Prophet ﷺ said concerning him, that if you put the iman of Hazrat Abu Bakr on one side of a scale, and you put the iman of the whole ummah on another side of the scale, the iman of Abu Bakr an would outweigh. One of the reasons why it outweighs is because Hazrat Abu Bakr was such an early con a convert to Islam and was so rigorous in bringing other people to the door that all the other people that came basically came through him. So many of the Ashara Mubashara came through him. So all the good deeds of Abu Bakr and all the people that he brought are all coming to his account, which basically means if you took his account and all the multiplicative effects that are in his account, and weighed them against the rest of the ummah, he's getting a piece of everybody that came after. So that's why that balance is so offset. And that's the opportunity. We have two ways by which we drive our benefit in this life. Number one, doing as many good deeds as possible. And number two, guiding to, uh, as, many good pe as many people as we can to the same deeds that we do. Because the Prophet said, Adal al khair kafa'ilihi. The one who guides to good is like the one who brings to good. Right? So it's like the one who does the good. You get the same reward. So for the next retreat, we would love to see everybody that's here come back. That would be, an, it would be a very positive sign for us because it means that you felt that you, you gained something and you, feel, you felt welcome and at home. And this is your home. This, we want this to be your home. We want this to be a place where you can come to benefit and change your lives and bring your families and bring your loved ones. But you have to bring a gift next time. You have to bring one more person that isn't here today. And that will allow us to multiply the effects and inshallah allow us to be able to max maximize on these opportunities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase everyone who's here today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase everyone who wished they were here today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase everyone who participated from a distance whatever, to whatever extent. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, increase everyone who even made a dua for this program and who was hoping to be, that this program would be a success. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, increase all of the, our teachers and the ones who sacrificed and their families for us to be able to take advantage of this type of gathering today. Wa akhirat da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.